0: Welcome to a Nutrition and Clinical Practice podcast. I'm Dr. Jeanette Hasse, the Editor-in-Chief of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. The theme for the December 2020 issue of NCP is Nutrition Screening and Assessment. So joining me today is Michelle Reed, who is the corresponding author of the paper, Screening Tool for the Assessment of Malnutrition in Pediatrics, or STAMP, and the Electronic Health Record, a Validation Study. And this paper is published in the December 2020 issue of NCP. So Michelle is a registered and licensed dietitian, as well as a certified diabetes educator and a board-certified specialist in pediatrics. She's with the Nemours Alfred I. DuPont Hospital for Children in Wilmington, Delaware. So thank you, Michelle, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Michelle, before we start our discussion, do you have any disclosures on this topic that you'd like to share? No, I have no disclosures. Thanks. So I think most of our listeners are aware of the fact that malnutrition affects outcomes in our hospitalized patients, and that's whether those patients are pediatric or adult patients. But in order to treat or prevent malnutrition, we first have to identify who's at risk of malnutrition. So Michelle, tell us the purpose of this nutrition screening project and what kind of led you to initiate it. The purpose of this project was to adopt an objective
1: nutrition screening tool that was validated, concise, easy to perform, and potentially most importantly, easy to integrate into the electronic health record. The project was inspired by a department journal club held way back in spring of 2016, which in the day and age of 2020 feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, As many institutions do, our department had a standing monthly journal club where staff members rotated responsibility for presenting a topic, and it was my month to present. And for my journal club, I presented research on a variety of different validated pediatric nutrition screening tools. The topic was inspired by my own recognition that our institution's nutrition screening process was fairly flawed. Our nutrition screening process was not evidence-based. It relied heavily on subjective information and anthropometric data that wasn't really sensitive to malnutrition. Uh, Additionally, the screening process called for completely independent screening steps taken by the nursing department and also the clinical nutrition department. So we're utilizing two different resources from two different areas of the hospital to perform one final task. During the journal club, I not only presented what the available screening tools were in the research, but I also directly compared them to our process, highlighting those critiques. And I was so passionate about making this change, and I expected that the entire department was just going to hear my rallying cry and demand change alongside me, but at the end of the journal club... Everybody went their separate ways, went about their business as usual, and I didn't really hear any follow-up. And I have to admit, I was fairly disappointed by that because when I really uh, grasped onto an idea, I get really, really passionate about it. And to my relief, though, several months later, our department's director circled back to me and said that she, in fact, wanted to pursue this project of adopting a new nutrition screening process, and she recommended
0: that I take the lead on it. So, Michelle, there's several validated nutrition screening tools out there for pediatric patients. So, how did you decide to use the screening tool for the assessment of malnutrition pediatrics, or STAMP? And can you explain what those parameters are that are using for the STAMP tool to identify nutrition risk?
1: So, in the Journal Club presentation that kind of started this all, I presented on three pediatric nutrition screening tools that appear most often in the literature. The PYMS tool, which stands for Pediatric York Hill Mal- Malnutrition Score, the Strong Kids tool, which stands for Screening Tool for Risk of Nutritional Status and Growth, and the SAMP tool. All three tools worked with a scoring system to assign nutritional risk with an associated care plan algorithm. At the time, our institution's screening process did not assign any degree of nutritional risk, and I found that approach really intriguing. When comparing the three different tools, Stamp Tool quickly rose to the top of the list for us because it was the most concise of the three tools, and it was the most objective. The Stamp Tool uses three parameters to identify nutrition risk weight status, nutritional intake prior to admission, and diagnosis-related nutrition implications. Once each of the individual parameters is scored, a total score is calculated, which then determines if a patient is at high, moderate, or low nutritional risk. When the team reviewed this tool, we really saw it as a tool that was going to be easy for the nurse to perform at the bedside left them little to no room to feel like they were on their own to assess nutritional risk because it was so concrete. And we also thought as a tool that could be translated into the electronic health record, but we also recognized that there's
0: going to be some work that needs to be done in order to do so. So having transitioned from one electronic health record to another a little over a year ago, we I know personally what a big task that is. So when you decided to use the stamp tool what steps did you have to take to transfer this tool into your electronic health record and what disciplines had to be involved to make that happen and also kind of how many modifications did you have to do along the way to finally get to the final EHR version of your stamp tool So I will be honest that this project
1: was quite the undertaking and translating this tool into the electronic health care record was a very complicated task. And looking back, I think when all this started, I was quite naive to uh, what a significant undertaking I was getting myself into. To complete this work, we pulled together an amazing interdisciplinary team with representation from clinical nutrition, nursing, and informatics. And I really attribute much of our project's success to this group's diverse background. So around one table, pre-COVID when we could do that, uh, around one table, we were able to create a tool with the workflow insight of a clinical nurse who performed admissions at the bedside that we knew was going to be evidence-based and give us the results that we wanted as determined by our clinical nutrition department, which is our institution's expert in nutrition, all while getting this real-time feedback from informatics on the actual capabilities of the EHR, what we could build, what we couldn't build. And sometimes we found that what we were initially told we couldn't build if we fought hard enough and collaborated hard enough, uh, we actually ended up being able to create some things that initially were we were told were completely off the table. And I think the reason that we were able to chip away and make these successes and make these improvements is because we had true buy-in and shared ownership across all these different disciplines. In terms of translating this tool into the electronic health record and modifications that we have to make, the starting point required some significant modifications specifically to the anthropometric piece of this tool. So if you look at the original SAMP tool, It will guide you to either look at growth charts or look at percentile reference tables. And what the original stamp tool asks you to do is to compare weight and height percentiles for a child to basically determine how far they deviate from one another. So it really boils down to assessing for proportionality of a patient, either in the positive or negative direction, so meaning either underweight or overweight. But the original tool was designed so that the nurse would have to flip back and forth, either between two different growth charts or two different tables, and then the nurse themselves would have to determine how far apart these parameters were from one another, and the team felt that not only was that leaving room for error, and not only was that going to be an incredible time burden on the nurse, but it really didn't translate at all to the way that electronic health record works, especially because... In order to navigate into the growth charts for the nurse to do their own assessment, it would completely pull them out of the workflow that they were actively in to perform the screening process. So our team decided that we need to completely redo the anthropometric piece of this tool, so we basically wanted to eliminate one-third of the tool and recreate it which is a really significant undertaking when you know that you're going in and modifying a heavily researched and cited tool. So our team thought, well, if we're going to completely redefine the anthropometric piece of this tool, we have to do it in an evidence-based fashion. We have to have support for the decisions that we make. And it worked out so perfectly that not too long Prior to us taking on this project, the Aspen and Academy Pediatric Malnutrition Indicator paper was published, and we had information from Aspen and from the Academy on how to best diagnose pediatric malnutrition, and within that, we had parameters that spoke to proportionality. So we use the malnutrition indicators for weight for length and BMI for age as our means by which to redefine how we scored anthropometrics. So the way that the STAMP tool works is each parameter is given a score from zero to three, including the anthropometric piece. So the way that our team adopted the malnutrition indicators into this tool is we scored it with the malnutrition guidelines of mild, moderate, and severe risk. So if a weight for length or a BMI for age Z score was indicative of mild, moderate, or severe malnutrition, that would be scored with a one, two, or a three, respectively. So that is the way that we completely revamped that anthropometric piece so that it could easily be used in the electronic health record while also having evidence to support and back it. So that was the biggest hurdle to just starting the project, was that one-third of the tool had no direct way to translate into the EHR unless we totally changed it. Once we figured that piece out, it was a lot of heavy work with our informatics team to just figure out how we were going to translate this tool into our existing health record system and that's all behind the scenes work that as a dietitian i do not know but i will tell you that our point person from informatics christy rumen is true magic and made everything come together in the system in a way that i could have never imagined myself so that brings us to the project starting so we have the project we have the screening tool adopted into the electronic health system. It is designed within the workflow of the admission database. The way that the initial tool works is the nurse has to put a patient's height and weight into the chart. The tool then populates what their associated Z score is for either their weight for length or BMI for age. That requires that the electronic health record. Is pulling the right z-score from the right growth chart based on age and the right growth chart based on gender which is again why i say my informatics contacts are magic at the work they do Uh, and then the nurse is to then select the associated risk score the next parameter is the nurse asking the patient and the family about nutritional intake prior to admission and assigning a risk score to that And then the final piece is based on the patient's admitting diagnosis and their uh, past medical history associating a risk score with that. The way that we designed the tool is that associating a risk score was basically a button that they had to click within the health record. But underneath each question and the buttons was a line of reference explaining exactly how to score each parameter. So for example, the diagnosis piece there was reference information just below that question detailing what we assign a high risk score a moderate risk score or no risk score when it comes to diagnosis. So we created a tool that was uh, quick and easy to use that looks like other screening tools that were included in the admission process. And we also included lots of reference information, again, to try to maintain as much objective use of this tool as possible and to give the nursing staff as much support as possible to make the right decision when clicking through this tool. Once each parameter was assigned a risk level or a score, the total score auto-populated and we created a nutrition risk score column in our healthcare record system that would populate into all of the dietitian patient lists and it told the dietitian what the patient's score was and it did it in a nice little color-coded fashion your typical like green light, yellow light, red light so that a dietitian could look at their patient list at the start of the day and in seconds be able to prioritize patient care we then after going live with the tool we conducted a two-year period of studying meeting Revising and kind of circling back again to studying and meeting and revising to try to make the tool as successful as possible. We really wanted to make sure that if we were going to make significant changes to a validated tool, that we confirmed for ourselves that the new tool is validated within our institution. Um, So I won't go into all the details of every single modification that we did because we did. So many I will say that the greatest modification is the one that I alluded to earlier when I said you know sometimes the things that you're told you can't do you find out with strong collaboration that you can in fact do it we really wanted when the height and weight was entered into the electronic health record we wanted not only the z-score to populate but we wanted the z-score to auto score itself meaning once the height and weight was in That entire first parameter of anthropometrics was done for the nurse, and the nurse only had to hand-select the other two parameters. We were told initially that that was far too complicated of an ask, and it would be impossible to do. And after lots of collaboration and hard work, I'm happy to say that of all of the revisions that we did to our tool, that was the first major revision. That one-third of the tool was auto-scored for our nurses, and it resulted in significant improvements in the accuracy of our tool and really, I think, set the pace for uh, just how successful this process and this project was overall.
0: So, Michelle, you talked about you looked over things for the next two years, and in your paper, you're going to talk about that. So, what were your main findings in that study process?
1: Our main finding was that we found that the stamp tool can successfully be translated into the electronic health record with high sensitivity and specificity, meaning that you will successfully find individuals that are at high risk, but not because you kind of capture everybody with a very general generic screening process, you are appropriately capturing those that are at high risk and appropriately utilizing your resources from a nutrition department standpoint for them while appropriately screening out lower or moderate risk patients. And in my experience, that was one of the greatest shifts from our previous process. Our previous process it captured individuals at high nutrition risk by throwing a large net. And we ended up getting a lot of high nutrition risk patients seen, but we also ended up seeing a lot of patients who didn't necessarily need to be seen by the dietitian. So we proved with this tool that we were able to really prioritize patient care and those resources of our department to the patients who needed us most. We showed that over the course of our project, that we improved our accuracy with the tool from a 71% accuracy rate with the initial tool up to an 85% accuracy rate with the final tool. And though that improvement was great, our team was not satisfied with the 85% accuracy, so we decided to dig a little deeper. So our team then shifted our focus into looking specifically at patients who were underscored on admission due to screening error, to identify how many of those patients then experienced delays in patient care. So we looked at our high-risk patients who were falsely scored at lower moderate risk on admission, and we found that a third of those high-risk patients that were missed by the screening tool actually had a consult or referral to nutrition within the first 48 hours those patients were actually seen by our department. And of the moderate-risk patients who were falsely scored low, two-thirds were discharged home before they were rescreened in three days, which is the next step in the moderate-risk nutrition care algorithm. And of those patients who remained admitted to the hospital and would have been due for a rescreen in three days, about a quarter of them had a nutrition consult or referral ordered within the first 72 hours of their admission. So we concluded that of the over 3,000 patients that we studied from start to finish on this project, we found that less than 4% of patients were at risk for delayed patient care due to scoring error on admissions. This was a unique analysis that the team hadn't seen in the literature before, but we were really excited about it because it really speaks to the real-world implications of the unavoidable human error that is part of every single one of these screening tools. All of the screening tools that we reviewed when we got started with this project all require that a provider at the bedside is completing the tool. And no matter how perfect your tool is, and no matter how much work you do to educate your staff, there is always going to be human error because that is inherent in us. We were excited to see that our data supported that even with the human error that we have to expect from a tool like this, it does not put undue risk of harm or delayed care to our patients. So at that point, even with an 85% accuracy rate on our tool, we felt immensely confident in the work that we had done and the tool that we had created. Um, And just really excited to share that information with other institutions, because I think it's a way of looking at tools that hasn't been done before, but it really speaks such volumes to uh,
0: how truly effective a tool is when used in practice. Michelle, that's just an amazing process that you guys went through, and I think a lot of us are probably sitting here going, gosh, how would we do that in our own facilities? So what recommendations do you have with other teams who might want to implement a similar screening tool in their electronic health record?
1: I think the success of our group is really based in the group that we created for this project. Having representation from nursing, nutrition, and informatics was so key. And if any one of those pieces Of the equation was not present for this project, I don't think that we would have seen the success that we had. And I do not know that we would have seen this project all the way through the way that we did. As a dietitian, I can speak to very strong evidence based opinions on what I think is a strong, suitable nutrition screening tool. And I know when I'm looking at a screening tool and I'm looking at a patient, if I feel that the score of the screening tool is adequately reflecting the risks that I see in a patient when I'm doing an assessment on them. But I cannot speak as a dietitian for what it feels like to perform that task within the framework of the rest of your work responsibilities. I can look at a tool and say it's very easy to do, but I'm not the nurse who's completing that tool as just a subsection of a very lengthy admission process to a patient. And what I perceive to be an easy tool may actually be a very challenging tool for the nurse to perform. So having individuals who do patient care at the bedside, including the admission process for our patients, was really vital in confirming for me that this tool was not only evidence-based, but it was feasible. And I don't care how great the evidence is, if it's not feasible for the individual performing the task, it is not worthy of pursuit. So having the stamp of approval, no pun intended, uh, having the stamp of approval from our clinical nursing team was really, really important. Because at the end of the day, I don't do this tool day in and day out. It's them who do this tool day in and day out. But really, I think the shining star of our team was informatics having the ability to really passionately explain to the informatics team what our project was, what our vision was, what we wanted to see created, and have them involved not only in the asks of this project, but to have them present in meetings, to have them hear the data, to have them along for this journey. Informatics took a level of ownership and pride in this project that I don't know I would have initially anticipated because I kind of see them as just these behind the scenes people who just create these you know, things in this electronic health record system. But one of the greatest strengths, I think, of our project was that our informatics representative was also a dietitian. So while she was not necessarily functioning as a dietitian in that role, she had that knowledge and background. And I know that personally, one of the things that I'm most proud about in this project is that we were able to involve an individual who has the dietetics and the informatics background and take that experience, that knowledge, and use it to its fullest potential on this project. So I think creating a team that has investment, I think creating a team that understands all pieces of the puzzle You have to understand what a tool is that is going to work effectively in the process. You have to know that that tool is going to get you the right information to delegate care the right way. And you also have to know that the tool can physically be created in the way that you envision it. And having that cohesive conversation, not as a back and forth via email, but as a fluid, living, breathing conversation of different disciplines on a routine, repeating basis allowed this process to move and develop and build in a way that far exceeded any visions I ever had when I first presented this information in a journal club in 2016.
0: Michelle, before we wrap up, do you have any other um, additional comments that you want to share with our listeners today? I think I would just want to
1: encourage that individuals really speak up when they see something that isn't working, especially if you can propose an alternative process. So, this whole project started because it was my turn to do a journal club. And while journal clubs typically focus on your clinical areas, the disease states that you work in, and maybe, you know, novel treatments, I took the opportunity to say, hey, in front of all of my colleagues, as a staff, this major pillar of what we do, which is nutrition screening, is not functioning at its greatest capacity. And there's a lot of flaws. But day in, day out, we do it because it's the status quo. And as I have been told, this is the way we have done it for so long but I do not like to settle for doing things only because that's the way it's done. So if you see something that isn't working, be vocal. When I presented this journal club, I was less than three years into being a dietitian. I was still so green, but I had the confidence to know and say that I see something not working and I want to fix it. And all these years later, I had no idea when I was a really young professional in this field that this little journal club where I thought I was going to maybe rustle up a little bit of controversy and discussion and maybe a little bit of change would end up being this huge undertaking that has challenged me professionally in a way like nothing else has and been rewarding in a way that I could have never anticipated. So do not just accept the status quo in your institution and do not think that because you haven't done something before or because
0: you're too new in the field, you can't affect change. I think that's a great lesson for all of us Uh, We've been speaking today with Michelle Reed, who is the corresponding author of the paper Screening Tool for the Assessment of Malnutrition in Pediatrics, or STAMP, and the Electronic Health Record, a Validation Study. So thank you, Michelle, for sharing your expertise with our listeners. I invite all of our listeners to find out more about nutrition screening and assessment and the December 2020 issue of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much.